0: Get it. Go Bowie. Brown says, "Get that India, big boy!"
1: Oh. a shot! What a shot! Campbell killer! Hello and welcome back to another edition of the para Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as Forty Twenty. Joining me for a feels like an almost back-to-back instant recording is my good mate, 60s. Indeed, we were recording just last night. Uh, we turn it around into a, a morning preview of uh, all the round 26 and round 6 action across the NRL, NRLW, New South Wales Cup and Jersey Fueg. Big fella. Yeah, a lot of uh, work being done right now, but uh, we're kind of wrapping up for most of the grades this week.
0: Yeah, we're really packing it in in such a short turnaround week with a Thursday game. The All the regular content that might be spread out through till Saturday is basically being squeezed in in a couple of days in the early part of the week. I guess that's the nature of the beast, isn't it, with these sorts of schedules that we face in the NRL. We are previewing matches as well that are going to take place on the weekend in terms of the lower grades and the NRLW, but we are going to jam it all in, in our usual preview podcast. And after all, mate, where else can our Eels supporters get four grades previewed, four Parramatta Eels grades previewed in one podcast?
1: Yes, sir. And as always, before we jump into the content, a quick shout out to the sponsors of the show, Big Swing Golf, North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norelland and Parramatta helping us get the content out each and every episode. Whew, we got a uh, four games against, well not all against Penrith, uh, but three against Penrith and one against the Cowboys. Let's start on Saturday, 60s. we got a double header out at Blue Bet Stadium. Is the Jersey Flake and the New South Wales Cup. Uh, one team looking to potentially book a spot into the finals. One team looking to play spoilers for the Panthers. The flag are team that are in the hunt for the finals. They um, They do need a result, though. Uh, they kick off at 12.30pm out of Blue Bat Stadium, simultaneously at 12.30pm down in Melbourne, Victoria. Uh, They've got the Canberra Raiders travelling down to take the Melbourne Storm. They need the Raiders to spring an upset in that game, and they need to take care of business against the Panthers. But let's quickly look at the team, and then let's see what they can uh, sort of do on the day. Uh, at fullback, it's Arpa Tweedle on the wings, Matty Komalafi and Ethan Martin. Samuel Loizu is in the one center spot. Blaise Talangi moves from 5'8 to centre this week with Joshua Lynn returning into the halves. Speaking of Lynn, he partners Ethan Sanders in those uh, two playmaking spots. Brock Parker and Tony Matteelli are the bookends. Bud's Arfa, Matty Arfa, is uh, taking over at starting dummy half, which pushes uh, Captain Nick Lenars. or I say pushes. He gets to go back to his preferred lock-forward role. Uh, he's joined in the back row by Charlie Gaima and Max Tupo. They'll be on the edges. I imagine Charlie will play left edge and Max the right. Well, I'm not, not 100% certain that one because I know Charlie tends to play right edge in general, but so does Tupo. Uh, Saxon Pryke, Noah Reed, Will Latu and Sam Tuaviti are the interchange players. Aras Namva is the 18th man, the concussion substitute. It's a very good looking team, 60s, and the you know, it's a credit to the flag depth that the players that aren't playing are actually in the New South Wales Cup this week.
0: Yeah, it is. It gives you an idea of the depth and I guess also the flexibility that's there within the team. They're a, a squad where if we're looking at that next man up mantra, they've really operated by that this season. It's a credit to Coach Craig Brennan. I think he's done a fantastic job. And when you think as well that there are a whole host of players who weren't part of this team at the start of the year because they were in the SG ball. And he's literally had to uh, integrate them. And I mean, mind you, I know that they spent a bit of time with them in the preseason, but he's literally had to integrate a whole lot of new players, establish a whole lot of new combinations within the team Get that team harmony happening, and we see plenty of harmony out there on the field. They all, all these boys, are really there playing for each other. You can see the extended uh, squad there supporting their team every week. It's a harmonious group. Yeah, a lot of a lot of credit there to Breno and the staff in in getting the team to this position. Uh, there's been a couple of results through the year that may turn out to be costly. Mm-hmm. But the the equation is very, very simple. They need the Raiders to beat the Storm and, of course, the Eels need to beat the Panthers. Now, you don't even have to think about any any points no, differential. No, that, that,
1: that is the silver lining here is that win and uh, any sort of win and any sort of loss in those two results and you're in.
0: That's right, because the Eels already have a better differential than the Storm, and by virtue of the fact that they need the Storm to lose and they need to win, it means the differential is going to improve anyway if that if that scenario unfolds as, the, as they want it. Uh, the matches are taking place simultaneous, so they won't know the result of the uh, Storm Raiders game until they're off the field themselves. So... Hopefully, we get a Raiders win and that we get to see some celebrations out on the field when word filters through of that result. Uh, Regardless, I'm sure that all the the fellas and the staff will be looking to finish the season on a positive Mm -hmm. note with a victory against uh, another finals contender. In the last few weeks, they have beaten the Storm. They have beaten the minor premiers who are – uh, well, the Roosters, who are well clear at the top of the table, and uh, if they can also beat the Panthers, that will mean that they would beaten three of the five finalists in that run to the uh, to finals football in the in basically the last month of footy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, mm-hmm. I don't think we can ask too much more of them. Seasons are always, you know, you can look back on what ifs and and, and what have you, but when you're talking about a team like uh, Jersey Flag at that at that level, they would be one of the most impacted teams by injury and suspension, not within their own group, but to what happens above them in the higher grades because a change to the NRL means a change to the New South Wales Cup, which can mean a change to the Jersey Flag team. Changes to the injury or suspension in the in the New South Wales Cup can mean changes to jersey flags. Mm-hmm. So they're always, and a lot of these can sometimes be very late changes, as well. Uh, late call ups mean late changes to the flag team. It's the nature of the beast. I, I think that they have looked exceptional in the in the back end of the season. They're they're firing at the right end of the year. We hope they get into the finals because we think they will do some damage. I'm tipping a win because I look at I look at this team and I go, there are strengths like throughout the team and onto the bench. And um, I think they'll equip themselves really well against the Panthers.
1: And in, in the context of the other game, I don't think the Raiders are ranked outside of the 60s. They're a nine-win team versus the Panf- uh, Panthers, the uh, Storms, 11 wins. So, you know, they're, they're behind them, but by not by a, a country mile. So there is a decent chance that this could happen. Uh, it sucks that you have to rely on another team to get it done, but, you know, it, it is within the purviews of probability. So we got, we got a chance, which is all you can ask for heading into the last week of the season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, they had a, as I mentioned, it was a great win that the Eels had against the Roosters last week. They won the middle, won it, won it very, very well. It set up then the opportunity for the the players to use the the space, use the ball into the space that was created via the the Roosters constantly backpedalling in defence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, you know, I think a similar platform this week, and really, you know, as a you know the the two props last week were two of the best on field in Brock Parker and Tony Mattaielli And um, yeah, Brock Parker in particular has had a really good uh, season. He started off so well, didn't he? And then he had an injury at an unfortunate time. He was out for an extended period of time. In fact, I think Craig Brennan was resigned to losing him to New South Wales Cup right at the point where the injury happened. And I think that that was probably significant in their season as well. Um, his loss earlier in the year, because at that stage, I'm pretty sure they hadn't quite got the um, SG ball players um, joining the squad. So, uh, and of course, Tony Mateelli has uh, dropped back down from New South Wales Cup, switched from edge to middle, and that in itself has been a bit of a revelation as well having those players join them now that were playing New South Wales Cup last week only makes that team uh, that little bit stronger. And that's no reflection on the players that played last week and did an exceptional job. So, um, yeah, really looking to re- looking forward to being out there. Penrith Park, uh, I think they're at 12.30 kickoff, are yes, they not? correct,
1: 12.30pm um, kickoff.
0: Yep, yeah. and we'll be there to cover with a live blog out at Penrith Park. And, of course, that's the the lead into the um, New South Wales Cup match, which is the retirement match for Jordan Rankin.
1: Yeah, a lot happening on the weekend, obviously, in that regard. Finals for one team, a retirement, and the potential chance to be a spoiler for Penrith in the second game. Uh, and at 2 o'clock, that is the Jordan Rankin retirement match, 60s. Eels taking on the Panthers. It's 9v6. Uh, Eels are actually sort of a... I mean, obviously the finals are beyond them, but they've actually sort of crept their way back up the ladder. Um, and they end up uh, in ninth spot with 10 wins and a draw behind the Sea Eagles, who have 12 wins, two draws, so essentially 13 wins, and the uh, Panthers on 13 wins. So end up three wins behind the finals spot, uh, like the final, final spot. Uh, if win today, or we i not say that, sorry, they would obviously close the gap one more win. Uh, but they line up like this uh, at fullback: Arthur Miller, Stephen Hayes, Dunster, Jiramamasio, Zach Sini, and Wonga Blake round out the two to five. Uh, Brendan Hands has moved back uh, to the cup after the NRL team uh, had a different configuration with the return of Sean Lane. He'll partner Jordan Rankin in the halves. Mackenzie Makatowa, Jaden Yates, and Hickey Ogden are in the front row. Jack Murchie, Dan Kier, and Kai Rodwell in the back row. And then it's an all-flag interchange with Jacob Davis, Jonte Jr., Beth Mesa, Lachlan mears Crab, and Lachlan Blackburn, a couple of lockies there, rounding out the rotation. And yeah, 2 o'clock kickoff in this grade, uh, taking on the Panthers. uh, Who's there that we could recognize? Tom Jenkins has gotten a bit of NRL time this year. He's been pretty good on the wing. Uh, There is Eddie Blacker, the big, tall front rower, you got uh, Luke Summerton, Maverick Gaia, Jamin Salmon on the edge, Matty Eisen, Hewitt lock forward, Kurt Falls. is on the interchange, though, so he's uh, been bumped down the depth charts. So it's a, it's a pretty reasonable um Reggie's team for the Panthers. They haven't been as dominant in the flag and the cup as they had in recent years, although they're still obviously in the hunt in the finals for both. Uh, but with an Eels win here, and let me just check out the full ladder here in points differential, uh With an Eels win, okay, so it's three of points differential between Blacktown Workers and Panthers. So an Eels win obviously puts heaps of pressure on the uh, Panthers and the Blacktown Workers Seagulls are playing the Bulldogs. So that's actually a closely-seated game as well. So, yeah, there's a very good chance an Eels win knocks the Panthers out of the finals.
0: Well, uh, first question I have for you, just as an aside from uh, talking about the match itself – Are there any Panthers players there that you'd have on the radar for Eel's recruitment?
1: Um, None of them have the – I don't think any of them have been carving up the cup the way that Sunir Taruva had prior to his call-up. I know – I think Isaiah Long, is meant to be a pretty handy player. Um, Their fullback. But outside of that, I'm just trying to think because I'm – a, um, you know, you want a good player, and B, it needs to be in a position of need for us, which is pretty much the back line. Um Yeah. I'm not So f- you
0: mentioned uh, Jenkins.
1: Yeah, Jenkins Jenkins is a is a reason like you know, reasonable guy. Uh twenty two years of age, he's got good, decent size, one eighty eight centimetres. Um, you know, he's not a freak by any means, but he's a a good warm body and a position of need. So it'd be interesting to see out there on Saturday. Uh, if any of those guys pop off the screen, because we know that the Penrith backline stocks are pretty strong in terms of the first graders because uh, they're doing all this without uh, May, being in the mix as well. And I know they lose Crichton, but May just comes straight back into the uh, the team to replace him. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed to see what uh, might be available at Penrith in terms of opportunity for next year.
0: I mean, would you say then, uh, looking at the stocks don't seem... Quite as strong are they? Are the Panthers potentially at the end, nearing the end of their premiership windows.
1: Uh, the, their top line squad is still so strong, so I think you know it'll be a case of the way the Roosters and the Storm were always in the premiership frame uh, across you know pretty much a decade, even if they uh, weren't necessarily the best team in the competition. But yeah, maybe maybe the uh, the Raging Flames will just dial back a bit. In the coming year or two, uh, because I, again, I can't remember Penrith dominating the, in the the even the junior upgrades this year as well. Sixties, right? Because obviously Eels and Newcastle yeah. were in the SG Ball finals. Newcastle and the Dogs were in the Harold Matts final, if I recall correctly. Uh, so yeah, maybe the the winds are changing a little bit in that regard. And you know, I, we say that you know it's a massive credit to Penrith that they were able to maintain the rage across so many grades for so long but maybe there is a a slight changing of the guard in the juniors at the very least.
0: Well, they won four grades last year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The, the top three grades plus the SG ball. And, uh, you know, then you, you look at this New South Wales Cup team and we don't have players jumping out at us as, gee, this player's unlucky not to be getting a run every week in – the first grade team, um, I, I guess you would say, oh, well, you know, Jamin Sammons had to drop back down to this grade and, and maybe we don't know enough as because we're not Penrith supporters. We don't know enough about the potentials of some of these players, you know, where the team may not be getting the results that they'd want, but, you know, here's player A or player B who are, uh, you know, who would be shining in, uh, in a team that would be, you know, say, getting better results. We don't know what the situation is there, but it's interesting. I wonder then with their depth chart starting to look a little bit thinner, how they would perform with the sort of season that the Eels have faced this year in first grade with the uh, injury and suspension um scenario that have that's transpired we know that Penrith have always adjusted well in the past when there's been a bit of pressure put on with uh certain players out whether they're going to be as capable of that in the years coming I guess we'll soon see mm-hmm. but um anyway mate what's your what's your thoughts on the team that the eels have been able to put together for this this final match i mean we're still seeing a back rower in it in its center in uh Yes. Yeah, uh we're seeing Zach Sini uh coming back from uh I believe it was a hand injury. Broken,
1: broken hand, yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. So this is his his uh his return match and he's he's back basically for the final match of the season. Um Wonger's had the sort of year that he's had. Um you'd you'd have to say that there's still some question marks around the outside backs. I mean, Hayes has battled uh, injury and adversity all season. Um, uh, it's, and and of course we have uh, Brendan hands who's been playing in the dummy half role is now having to play in the halves. It's, it's going to be a tall order for them to step up and, and be able to send Jordan Rankin out on a winning note. I mean, he, with with such a career to be fantastic to be able to send Rankin out as a winner in his last game, and uh, maybe it's the sort of uh, game where they will all lift. With that in mind, I, I'm sure that it's it's at the forefront for them that it's his last game. I'm I'm not sure exactly what the club has in store in in by way of any special presentation or you know anything in particular on this last game. It isn't a away game, so. It's a little bit difficult for them to organise publicly. But, um, yeah, uh, I guess the best preparation for them is coming into this with a win last week. Yeah, so they've got they're... a bit of positive mindset mm-hmm. with
1: it. They uh, Rate
0: themselves chance.
1: They've sort of uh, built a little bit in recent weeks, some, somewhat surprisingly, You know, almost, almost in spite of themselves. went over the Panthers, went over the Dragons. Uh, they got pumped by the Bears before that, but they beat the Roosters prior to that. So they've taken three of their last four, and they had a buy in there as well. Uh, but three of their last four, so they've finished the season a lot stronger than I sort of had in my mind that they were doing. Um, and that's not to say that the, the squad hasn't got its issues. Uh, you know, that backline it is very hard to gloss over. In you know, fact you've got a, a back rower that's been stuck out in the centres for a, most of the season, uh, alongside you know the other issues and. For Hayes, there was a, a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we mentioned in our, our wrap-up of the game, 60s, that we thought he had quite a good game. Uh, I'm hoping that it was that was the case, that he is at the end of a long road back to where he was back in 2021, and he can start heading back to being the, the player he was across that preseason and, and come back into first-grade contention because uh, that certainly doesn't solve our issues in the back line in first-grade 60s, but it is an important piece if he can figure it out and get back to his best. Uh, but, yeah, um, the front row is pretty solid. McAtoe and Ogden are good props. They've done some handy stuff in first grade for us. Um, I, I do like the interchange being all young guys. And, again, it's a testament to the, the uh, depth and the – not just the depth, but the the positive talent levels and the depth of the flag uh, that they can afford to have, you know, four guys well, – I mean, there's five flag-eligible guys in this team because Artie is just a – he's part of the cup team now. So – yeah. You know, there's um, Artie plus the uh, four interchange players and that's a, a lot of uh, players to have in the flag, sorry, in the cup when the flag is also shooting for a, a berth in the final, so that's good. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how this team backs up from last week where all the young guys gave it a real big shot in the arm. Um, Buds and uh, Josh Lynn, obviously Charlie Geimer, Sam Torvider, they all had really nice contributions. Uh, I think this week is going to be a case that the senior players need to step up a little bit more. Um, although, you know, obviously, young guys like Davis, uh, Crab and Blackburn, or Miss Crab, sorry, and Blackburn, you know, can bring something to the team as well. And, yeah, I I hope that the occasion doesn't get to them. It's always weird with milestones and retirements, how teams respond. Sometimes it is a massive boost to the uh, morale of a the team. They come out and they rip in. And sometimes, you know, it just feels like it's a, a mantle of responsibility that weighs them down. And I'm hoping that it's the former, not the latter on Saturday.
0: Yeah, look, I think a couple of points that you raised there. Hayes definitely had his best game that I've seen in, well, we have to say two seasons because there wasn't anything that happened for him last season and he's really had to battle injury and setbacks this year. So what we saw from him was what we used to see from Hayes, which is carrying the ball strongly in uh, his backfield runs, he seemed to always be beating that first offender last week. Ran fearlessly whenever he, like at, at both ends of the field, too, because he, the try that he scored was one of fierce determination uh, w- with a run that where it didn't seem like there was anything on. And uh, he, he made that dash to the, um, was he at dummy half when he took that run? Yeah, I'm, he I'm was. just trying to. Th- I'm pretty sure he jumped out yeah, of dummy
1: half and. Just uh, absolutely leveled a couple of defenders and got the ball down.
0: Yeah. So, and his defence, I thought, was close to immaculate last week, and uh, it yeah, it was a most encouraging uh, display from him. And and look, credit to him as well, because I think with only a couple of games left in the season, and much the same as Zaccini it would have been easy just to look at the pre-season and think, you know what, I'm just going to rehab. And, um, you know, I I would have liked to have played a a game or two at the end of the season, but I need to get myself in order. Now, they both got themselves in order. It's obviously the case that uh, given the form that Hayes played last week, that uh, he was fit to play and uh, was able to produce his best. I'm sure there's still um, rehabbing and a bit of work that he'll do in this coming preseason just to get himself back even closer to what he was before. So, um, yeah, a big tick for Hayes and he's hoping that it's a, a, another continuation of his performance from last week. But you did mention the forwards there and I think the key to this is going to be the middles because you've got the experience in Makahesi and Offahee Ogden um you've also got Kai Rodwell at 13 and i think those blokes are, are, are going to be key to the result of this match um get that middle one and um yeah, go from go from that platform and, and i guess you know although it's a milestone game and there may be motivation with that Just focus on your job out there. So, um, mate, that now takes us to the other weekend game, which is the NRLW's clash with the Cowboys.
1: Uh, The NRLW's home clash with the Cowboys, 60s. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff to gripe about here for their schedule. Uh, Two home games at Combank and then two home games Cogra and Canberra hike I, it, I struggle to even say it because it's just so comical but uh, the Eels hunting for their first win of the season but they've been building really nicely and now they uh, bring the North Queensland Cowboys into the mix as they take on uh, that team in round six of the NRLW this one kicks off at 11.05am out in Australia Jubilee Stadium a well-known Western Sydney venue uh, for the Parramatta Eels uh, Cogra, that's in Parramatta uh, but Eels line up like this with Abby Church at fullback, Zali Faye and Monique Donovan on the wings, Kimberly Hunt and Cassie Toihiku in the centre. So an unchanged one to five. And that extends to the halves with Pahuka Berryman Duff and Rachel Pearson uh, lining up in their customary six and seven. So back line as it was for last week. Um, obviously, Cassie Toihiku was on an absolute tear. Uh, but Kimberly hunt scored a nice try. Zali Faye showing some great signs earlier in the season and Abby Church's... Tucking away really nicely at fullback. So there's, um, you know, a few informed players there in the back line and uh, Rachel Pearson. But, uh,
0: Abby Abby is really missed consistency, isn't she?
1: Yeah. And look, I, I sort of posited in my uh, gin logic that maybe the Eels could benefit from moving Cassie Toihiku from centre to the fullback. And that, in no way, was a slight in Abby Church, who I think could also be an excellent centre or wing option for the Parramatta Eels. Uh, they've got two very good players there in our CTH and Church. Uh, I just, I really don't. I really don't want to see uh, Hiku locked down to one side of the field. And like I said, that's not a slight on Church in any means whatsoever. She's having a good season.
0: No. In fact, she'd probably be, well, arguably be, the leading contender in the um, for the, the medal at the Ken Thornett Awards. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, she'd be uh, in the front-runner pack for sure. Uh, so we've talked about the back line. Uh, in the front row, you've got Talisha O'Neill and the young breakout prop, Tyler Amiatu. Ruben Cherrington's a dummy half. Uh, Tyler, like Cassie Toihiku, like Abby Church. Uh, one of the real positive stories for the Parramatta Eels this season, going from strength to strength as she's moved from interchange to starting pack. Uh, yeah, she, now she carries a load in the front row this week. In the back row, though, you got Amelia Murphy, try scorer last week. Mahalia Murphy, who's looking real sharp after making that transition from center to edge. And then Jade Fanua, who, like Zac back from a broken hand. Uh, the last time we saw her 60s against the West Tigers in round one, where she was uh, suddenly thrust into the starting halfback role as a back rower. And, you know, p- pretty tough task for uh, any sort of forward. Uh, but I'm really keen to see what she can bring to the team as a lock forward. Uh, and she gets a chance this week. On the interchange, it's Capri uh New recruit, Noria Kapua, or Boss Kapua, as uh, it's been listed on uh, social media. Uh, Shana Muru and Nakia Davis-Walsh. Kyra Simon, Ruby Jean, Kenneth Ellis, Madeline Jones, Lindsay Tui and Rosemary Beckett are the extended roster. Dave Munro's in the box. There is no officials otherwise listed. Uh, And just a note on uh, Kapua. I believe her contract is end of season only right now, 60. So uh, hopefully if she does show something, we can get her locked up very quickly.
0: Ah, okay. So that that explains that uh, they've obviously been able to uh, secure her because of the injuries. Yes, uh, affecting their
1: roster. A couple of season enders already for the Eels, or has been for a couple of weeks actually. So they've uh, finally found someone to fill out the roster. And like I said, the worst thing would be for her to come in, star, and sign elsewhere. But it'd be interesting to see how she handles the uh, the move to the Eels on the weekend.
0: Yeah, it's um, I guess one of the toughest things has been that there's been fluctuations in the team that's been able to be listed each week. Uh, we've seen the benefits of players, certain players that have secured a debut but then been able to uh, keep playing. And obviously that uh, Tyler uh, Amiatu was um, is the player that that really comes to mind there because once she's got her debut, uh, her her form continuing on from that has you know she's really been in the spotlight as a player of the future uh, I don't know I, I would have liked to have seen uh Ruby Jean Kennard Ellis get a little bit more game time than she has this year um she feels like and I think you mentioned this the other in in the other podcast is it, it feels like she's a week in week out. Um, sort of prospect where um, we're not getting any um, consistency in in her appearances. I think she'd be the sort of player that would benefit from having consistent uh, game time, mm-hmm. but I mean that's up for the you know the coaching staff to determine. but above all else with this team, what they really have to work on is eliminating some of the basic errors that we've seen because they, we know...
1: Take a big step forwards in the game, but then cough the ball up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We know that they are, that they play with heart, with with genuine heart out there. Like they're the one thing that uh, Dean Witters would be able to say in any press conference is there was a lot of effort that was put in out there because they are all effort and the the fact that their mindset has been able to lift after having like that awful start to the year with big scores put on them and that the last couple of weeks they've arguably been unlucky to lose in their last two weeks and i honestly thought coming into that broncos game that they were going to have an absolute cricket score. Yeah, they were staring
1: down the barrel on that one. It felt like, and you know, they they lost one of their best players within the first quarter of play or just over the first quarter of play, and they still yeah. they still pushed him. And and Albert was being a massive tone setter in that game, and losing her yeah. when they did was an absolute gut blow to their momentum, and they still found a way to to battle the Broncos right to the death. So, last two weeks they've been you say they're all all effort or heart 60s and they've been maybe almost over the top in that regard. They've found a way to unlock another level in that capacity uh, but by the same token they're also hamstringing themselves with those errors. They'll, you know, get back into the game they'll arrest they'll momentum flip the field position score a try then fail to complete the next set and spot their, their opposition you know, the ball if in their own red zone and they're the errors that you know will cost you games. So they've, they've got to polish that and if they can there's given what we've seen the last two weeks, because we know the Broncos are, are a heavyweight team. Uh, we know that the... Uh, sorry, Raiders. The Raiders. Uh, I thought I Raiders I was like, no, we didn't play Raiders. And I was like, no, we did play Raiders. Uh, the Raiders have been very impressive as an expansion franchise. Um, and, you know, they're going to be right in the hunt for the finals and maybe take a, a name or two in the postseason if they make it. Um, they they could, they should have been beaten by the Parramatta Eagles, who were without their two best forwards... And a couple other season-ending injuries across their, you know, depth players, as well. So uh, they've been fantastic the last couple of weeks. They just need that little bit of elbow grease, that little bit of polish, uh, to stop undermining their own comebacks. And yeah, they've got every chance of finishing the season with a few wins under their belt.
0: Yeah, and it and it really, I mean, the the against the Broncos, those errors, some some, some of the defense that they were able to find against the Broncos where they were making an error and then the Broncos were getting another on the, set on the goal in the red line. zone. Yep. Yeah, the, was, the goal line defence was, it was required. And, and the thing is about periods of defence like that, I mean, that that becomes, um, you know, exhaustion level stuff. And it can take its toll later in the game. The fact that they remain so competitive after defending for such extended periods right on the line it said a lot about where they were at in in their mindset but you've also got to think that those errors are coming from not being focused in a key moment and not attending to what is a minor but a crucial detail you know like just ball security or or just a, a straight out um, knowledge of the rules where, you know, where balls are played at that are going out, for example. Um, or um, it's possible to catch a ball right on the sideline with your foot over the sideline to get, yeah, the, um, you out, know, to get a call finish. that goes your way. Yeah. Or, you know, as I said, but, you know, the most basic of, of ball security and a hit up. Um, it's. Uh, and then we had one player that was um, caught last week holding the ball in the scrum, and you think, well, I know that that wouldn't have been practiced at training because they're not going to practice something that's a breach of the rules. So, you know, you sometimes you wonder where those errors are coming from. But that's, I mean, they're they're things that you look at and you go, you know, what that that's all easily easily fixed. So there's a, there's a huge upside from that because you get – there can be frustration looking at it and thinking, oh, these errors are so costly. But then you also think, but you know what? That's – they're costly, but they are easy to fix. They are not like a a problem where you go, oh, there's, they're going to have to work a lot on fixing this. You know, they're, they're momentary lapses. So – uh, I actually rate them as a chance of winning this. Yep, this week I, I do too. If they,
1: obviously it's predicated on the idea that they repeat what we've seen in the last fortnight in particular, uh, but if they can, there is no reason to think why they can't challenge the Cowboys and get that uh, duck ending uh, or duck breaking win. They've they've been all guts, all heart, uh, and and on top of that, there's been some flashes of really good play uh, attacking football. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's coincided with the, the uh, finally the return of Rachel Pearson, uh, who has yeah. really added a lot of layers to this team in terms of playmaking and the ability to change the point of attack. Um, yeah, and on top of that, it's the players that we've mentioned as well. They've been growing game in and game out. Cassie Toihiku, Tyler Miartu, uh, Mahalia Murphy, who since moving from centres uh, to the edge back row has looked like a wrecking ball. You know they've got some real good weapons across the park now. It's just a matter of. Getting the ball to them and putting them in positions to succeed.
0: Yeah, and I I have been uh, absolutely um, thoroughly impressed with Reuben Cherrington. I think she's you will be mistaken for it's
1: Kennedy ball. out there at times. She's a little yeah, fire, oh. little fireball uh, that you know plays dummy half and lock forward for the Parramatta Eels, uh, and yeah, really growing into that role. Uh, really, you know, being combative with the ball in hand. And also sparking some really nice attack from Dummy Half.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, I think she's taken her game to another level this year. like she is I, I I don't think I can go so far as to say that she's effectively filled the hole left by Kennedy because I don't think you can feel what they're missing with uh with Kennedy not being able to play. But uh you then have to think, you know, with with Rachel Pearson back there, how much of a difference it might have made with Kennedy added to that pack um, because the rest of the team has has really lifted right now and Kennedy was really being targeted by the opposition teams in those first three weeks because there was um, no Elsie Albert, no Rachel Pearson. So... Uh, Kennedy was the name that was there. She would have been featuring on the tip sheets of the opposition teams. She was getting smashed. Was like any time she was involved in, with a with a hit-up, they weren't missing her. Like they were zeroed in on her every time. When you've got the others that are now contributing in the way that they are, the threat is spread. And I think they, as I said, I think they can do it against the Cowboys. I'm going to tip a 1-10 to ten victory for the Eels in this one.
1: I'm going to go a bit more optimistic. Here. I'm going to go in the vicinity of uh, 12, 13-plus, get a couple of scores up on the Cowboys. It's a, such a shame this isn't being played at Combank Stadium or at least the Western Sydney venue. Uh, yeah, it, I know that it's been tied to the other NRLW game with the Dragons, uh, but it feels like the Eels are the ones that are losing out here because, yeah. They're the ones that have the home game taken away in a season where Canberra get five home games. You know, so Yeah. You know
0: the Raiders now in one season have equaled the total number of home games that the Eels have had across three seasons. Yeah,
1: there you go. There you go. And obviously the expansion, you know, more games uh, in a in a given season aid in that stat sort of being crunched out. But the fact that the Eels only get two games at Combank this year really rubs me the wrong way. Uh, it is such a disadvantage to and especially because it was a two two of the first three, what's the 60s? And then we're on the road for the next six weeks in the uh, competition. Just crazy. Yeah.
0: But- and and just, just further on that, the scheduling also means that if you've got really keen Eels supporters like ourselves, and we're going out to Penrith to cover the lower grades, this is literally a clash for us.
1: Yeah, there's no way you can we'll, attend... We'll, we'll, both venues.
0: Yeah, I mean we can't even we can't even watch it on television live because we'll be in transit going to uh out to Penrith Park to cover the game. Now we were at uh Combang Stadium for the standalone game between uh the Eels and Tigers. the Tigers that uh opened the season uh this year and it was I mean there was probably uh, you know about2,000 or so there and and I look at that and I go, okay, it was I think it was fantastic that it was staged at, at Combank and and I'd like to see the NRLW being able to stand alone like this, have dedicated matches at venues. and when Kellyville is finished, and they've got a uh, a match venue there that's gonna that's gonna hold say I don't know three or four thousand whatever it might be when uh, that particular field is is finished with the stand and um, surrounds that either matches there or even uh, at uh, uh, at Granville Park with Eric Tweedle uh, Stadium which is their home training venue and where they staged a trial match. Now they had. Uh, in the vicinity of between 12 and 1500 people that turned up for a trial game out there against the dragon so it wasn't as if they had a lot of dragons fans that were there they were mostly eels fans that were there that turned up uh nighttime game uh middle of winter watching a a um a trial match you can't tell me that they they wouldn't be attracting those sorts of numbers at uh, you know at Granville Park this year. I mean, and I understand about how and where games are staged and trying to put it on the best possible venues and and that sort of thing. But they're obviously trying to work it around uh, NRL games where they're not, um, they can't always be a curtain raiser. And I'm not advocating that they are curtain raisers. I want to see them stand. As a product that uh, as a standalone product that they deserve to be but when it's scheduled as a clash with uh, other eels games that's not helping the cause nope. and as I said it doesn't even doesn't even um, make it good for dyed in the wool eels supporters like ourselves to be able to even watch them on television. Because we're trying to cover other games. I mean, it's we got a choice of covering two games or going and watching one. I mean, what can you what can you say? I mean it's the scheduling's been diabolical. And I guess it's best we leave it there and now move on to the NRL. The the uh the final game of the season for our Parramatta Eels. Yeah, and
1: it's honest right away as we record on the Wednesday morning, it is taking place, sorry. On the Thursday night, so one sleep away, 7:50 p.m. kickoff out of BlueBet Stadium. Uh, the Penrith Panthers uh, coming into the round in first position with the Parramatta Eels in 11th. Uh, Sportsbet has the Panthers at 111, all the ones uh, there as favourites. Eels rank outsiders at seven dollars. As you can imagine, uh, I'm not going to be contending that one. Uh, Penrith finding form at the right time. I say finding form, uh, finding another level of form at the right time of season. Uh, whereas the Eels obviously have a yeah, they've stumbled their way to where they are. Uh, but for the Panthers, uh, pretty much the lineup you'd expect. Sixties, Edwards, Taruva, Peachy, Crichton and Total in the backs. Luai, Cleary, the playmakers. Leota, Cogger, that's an interesting one there. Uh, so he takes over at starting dummy half with Fisher-Harris also on the front row. Hoskins, Martin and Yo round out their pack. Then you've got uh, Sonny Luke, Smith, Linieu and Garner on the interchange. Then the extended roster, all those cup players, Salmon, Summerton, McLean, Jenkins, and Eisenhugh. Uh, Eels do have a couple of changes this week, uh, with the return of Sean Lane primarily being among them. That means that Gufferson is the captain and fullback. Sevo, Panasini, Simonson, and Russell round out an unchanged backline. Dejan Arcee and Dylan Brown will reprise their roles at 5'8", and the halfback. But we're going to need to see a lot more from both this week, if we're going to be even remotely competitive. Uh, front row, Raiden Campbell-Guar, Joey Lusick, Junior Barlow. Back row... Ryan Madison comes into the starting left edge. Bryce Cartwright on the right. Jermaine Hopgood gets to go back to his preferred position to lock forward. On the interchange, Luca Moretti, uh, the aforementioned Sean Lane, Woodrow McGregor, and Joe Opengahi. Obviously, Brendan Hands uh, had dropped out and joined the Cup team this week, and he's on the extended roster uh, with Makatoa, Blake, Rodwell and Ogden. Ben Cummings is the main official. Chris Butler's in the box. Uh, Sutton of the Chris variety and Liam Kennedy on the sidelines. Yeah, um I don't even know if the Eels can be remotely close to spoilers in this one sixties. All they'd be doing is maybe opening the door for Brisbane to win the minor premiership. So I don't even know if you're really spoiling anything. It's uh damned if you do, damned if you don't in that regard. Uh but if they're even remotely competitive this week, I'm you know, not gonna be uh pulling any punches here. I'll be both shocked and pleasantly pleased. Uh this one could be a cricket score.
0: Yeah. When we were talking and <clears throat> previewing last week. We gave, uh, we both were tipping that the Eels could win, but we did so with provisos. We said that there had to be uh, a very high completion rate and we had to have the players with a positive mindset. Um, we needed a good kicking game. I don't think we saw any of that. I mean, the the errors and the lack of completion spoke for themselves. Uh, we saw defensively an awful effort, but it really spiralled out of control when um, the Eels didn't, uh, when Will Pennicini wasn't able to get the the ball down for uh, what would have been a twelve points to nil lead, and in contrast, what we saw from the Roosters was um, desperation in preventing a try, um, followed by a run of possession where the Eels just couldn't match it. We saw um, bad attempted tackles in a sequence of Roosters tries after that. And then it just spiralled out of control where it felt like the Eels just didn't have the football for a long period of time in the back end that first half, and really the tone was set um, from there on. If we have the same lack of completions, if we have the same mental attitude, and now bear in mind, um, I am not going to be um, saying, as some people wanted, that the coach should be throwing his players under the bus. If you get a coach that comes out there in the press conference, as BA did, and he says that there was effort there from the team, there is a distinction, I think, between effort and self-belief. I, don't, I think the players completely lack self-belief, and I think when you have no self-belief or you don't have the desperation to achieve what you need to achieve, then I think you see what we saw out there. Lack of attention to detail, uh, missed tackles. Um, you know, we've got players that are probably playing too close to their ability, and that's n- they're not able to compete with um, some of the better players in the competition. So we saw evidence of that. I'm not sure what people want in that regard from a press conference, to be honest. Just to have a bit of a set, uh, a, a veer away from um this partic- this particular game um because we <laughs> look at what's happening at south sydney when there are issues about accountability and performance that get dragged into the public arena look what happens when it comes into the public arena you end up with um the fact that the coaches aren't on the same page, assistant coaches and head and the head coach, and you're you're going to end up with with coaches that are uh, dismissed with a couple of se- a couple of matches to go in the season or one match potentially to go in the season. It just doesn't, you know. There there are things that can be dealt with behind closed doors and should be dealt with behind closed doors. I, I think we get the emotion that's there with EELS supporters. I mean, goodness knows you and I have had to compose ourselves before we've done instant reactions. Like we've we've had almost our debrief of about five or ten minutes and getting the emotion out of what we want to say. Not all of it, but maybe getting some of our, our illogic out and trying to make sense of what we've just witnessed before we put words down... Um, for the consumption of our listeners. It's, you know, people people get emotional about their team when they haven't achieved what they've needed to achieve in the season. But we can't expect that our coaches are going to do that and echo our thoughts on there. They might be feeling exactly the same behind closed doors and ripping but they also have to be constructive when they're talking to the players and they can't be seen to be putting the players down. We've seen coaches put the players down. E.g. Ricky Stewart. Look at his press conferences where he used to say, I haven't got the cattle for this team to perform any better. What message does that send to the players? I'll tell you what it sends. Wooden spoons. Wooden spoons that's what it sends to the team so um mate i guess what i what i want to come back to is that uh with this team we need them to be better than just effort don't we yeah we need them to be we need them to be focused we need them to have the positive mindset and effort just effort isn't going to cut it against a Penrith team. And and the positive mindset and the self-belief leads to effort on effort. And there's a difference. There's a difference between effort and effort on effort. And what we saw from Lindsay Collins from the Roosters Typically was effort that. on effort yeah. when he stopped Will Penasini from scoring. Right? And we didn't see that from the Eels. We didn't see effort on effort plays. We saw, um, you know, heads down. We saw um, some of the things that we didn't see earlier in the in the year. Where, like in the year, we were scrambling, scrambling, scrambling. Even if the defence wasn't quite working, geez, we were seeing a, a lot of effort to stop tries being scored. It was too easy. There were some just, you know, basic mistakes. So, how can we predict an eels win if we if we're not seeing evidence recently about things like completions, like attention to detail, like effort on effort, self belief plays, desperation plays? Um I'm like you, I I fear a big score here, mate.
1: Yeah, I'm you know being very realistic there, and um know my canvassing of what's going to happen on tomorrow night's game um but you know if the eels are within 30 points of the panthers it feels like they've done a, a decent job uh because the way the the roster's shaken out you know the way the backlines you know sort of uh rounded out uh you know we've got a really weak sparing. you know uh Mitchell Moses has been critical to our ability to compete with the panthers in the last you know 3 years with his ability to clear the ball consistently and and peg them back uh, in the field position battle, and I just can't see either Dejan or Dylan being able to compete in that regard. Uh, maybe in the forwards we might be able to cook or something. Um, you know, Reg Jr. uh, Cardi Hopgood, and a, a decent bench rotation there. Uh, but Penrith have got a very big physical pack too, so I don't know. I, I, I don't well, know. Well, what,
0: what what can we what can we genuinely expect from Parramatta now we've said what we fear in the way of the scoreline how can and I mean upsets do happen in rugby league what do the Eels have to do to engineer the most unlikely of upsets here now and again we're we're talking about the major out in this team is Mitch Moses Right, And the Eels beat the Panthers earlier this season. So with in the absence of Mitch Moses, what can we manufacture to be in this contest at the very least or maybe engineer a, a, an unlikely victory?
1: I mean, in, in a game where you don't have your number one half, the guy that organises all your stuff and really puts the, uh, the dots on the I's and crossing the T's in terms of the football mechanics you just need your pack to dominate, don't you? Like, you just need to absolutely rumble through the middle and uh, nullify the advantages that the Panthers have because of that. Um, so, look, they've got the cattle to do it. You know, that that starting pack, uh, Campbell, Gillard, Barlow, Madison, Cartwright, Hopgood, you've got Meridi, Lane, Greg, and Ophengai on the interchange. That they, They've got the cattle to do it, but we've seen individuals step up at various points in the recent weeks. So, I actually think juniors... Uh, it's been a long two years for Junior and I think he struggled at times earlier this year. I think he's actually, I wouldn't say he's back to his best by any means, but I think he's actually turned in a couple of good performances. Um, you need more of that from him, obviously Reg, uh, but you need someone to go with him. Um, you know you know that Junior and Reg, at their worst, are still going to be you know good players, but you need someone to go with him this week and that, that's going to be, uh, the critical factor is, does someone go with him? And if so, how many? If you can get two free players to go with him, and dominate that middle, then suddenly you might be, maybe you don't win, but maybe you're going to be actually competitive.
0: Well, see, so here's my conundrum, John. This is the last game of the season. It's It has no bearing in terms of the Eels being able to qualify for finals football. We're missing a key player. In beating the Panthers in the past, we've had to get into the grind with them. We've we've had to get into long, drawn-out battles where it goes to the 80th minute and we've been able to prevail with tough, uncompromising forwards where we've not... Strayed from a game plan, where completion rates have generally been good, but you know, essentially, you're getting those things that I talked about before: effort on effort plays, self belief, a real, really focused eighty, as close to eighty minutes of football that you're going to see. the The game earlier this year, we saw that crazy. Um, long distance field goal from Cleary and uh, we saw um, Mitch Moses being able to reply and uh, the, the Eels just, you know, that, that composure at the end of the game in the extra time, I thought it was going to be setting up our season back then. Um, I can't. I can't see any likelihood. Maybe this is just me. Any likelihood that our mindset would be on getting into the grind in our final game of the year against the Panthers? Am I wrong?
1: No, I think you're spot on.
0: Yeah, it's like I would, I would see you know, maybe a game where we might be trying to chance our hand in the game. And I, I'm not sure whether that's gonna be the type of football that would win a match against the Panthers. Yeah. I don't think you wanna get into I don't think you wanna get into playing an open brand of football against the Panthers because I think if you're if you're a little bit loose in your play, they will take you to pieces. And I, I I'm sure it's not in the Eels game plan to play that way. I'm I'm sure that what BA is looking for is uh exactly the type of football that has earned victories against the Panthers in the past. But I think it's I think the just the circumstance of being a game that means nothing and as far as the result is concerned to the Eels' season. I don't see us having 80 minutes of focused football in us.
1: No, no, not, no, not against a team the, like the Panthers who are locked in hunting for that free peak
0: Look, I, I I want to be awfully wrong with this. I, I, I want to be able to see that the Eels will go out there and and believe that they can make a statement in this game, which is, you know, what if we had have qualified for finals football, we could have given it a shake. Here's an example of what we could have done. And even without Mitch Moses. But we've seen at best 20 minutes of, of fight in them in the last couple of weeks. And. the result of doing that against the Panthers could be catastrophic. So let's get down to our uh, predictions, mate, because uh, you've just said it. We've we've got the forwards that could make a statement, but we haven't had really that um, what we've needed from Mitch Moses uh, with the kicking game and, and the organisation that he provides it is, you know, that's a big factor to be missing from our our game. Um, our backs haven't been able to produce, especially in recent weeks. It's it's a tough ask. So let's, yeah, let's get to these predictions.
1: And as always, we'll go with uh, first try scorer, margin, and then MVP or potential most valuable player. Um, yeah, I don't know who you're feeling because um, I'm, I'm looking at this team and I'm struggling to see where points are going to come.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be easier to... Um, I mean, we like to give an Eels first try scorer, so we'll stick with that. Um, I think it's more than likely that it's, it'll be a Panthers first try scorer. And that's despite the fact that the Eels have scored twice, uh, have been first try scorer, um, you know, in, the, in, in recent weeks. But um, yeah, I'm... I'm going to go for Jermaine Hopgood to be first try scorer. I think it will come from an effort play. He's someone that every week we do get effort on effort yep. from. No question about that with him. He's actually – So
1: I was recording with the boys from the Para podcast last night and he's who I had tipped as our uh, first try scorer.
0: Well, then go with it again, mate. Yeah, and- we can – and let's double it up.
1: Spoilers: He was also our lone try scorer in my prediction. So, um, I've <laughs> okay. got I've got the Panthers, unfortunately, piling on some points in this one, um, in the vicinity of forty six to six. So it's going to be a long day at the office on Thursday night. I think, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I was thinking that it was going to be uh, in the forties to a, a score from us of around about ten twelve points. So, so not too um, yeah it's uh i mean I, I i'd like to be horribly wrong i think if the if the eels were to win it would be in a lower scoring contest of you know something like 18-16 or 20 to 16 something in that vicinity i just don't know that we have that uh mental resolve to stay in uh, to keep it as a tight contest for that duration, not based on what we've seen in recent weeks. And, and that's the that's the disappointment because I, I I'm not sure that um I really do think that uh mentally this season has been just too much for the players. I think it maybe it's come from a physical point as well, but I think mentally it's been that they've struggled. You, you, there is nothing that tells me that they've had a positive mindset about the last six weeks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nothing, nothing. Um, so, um, best on field for the eels.
1: Ooh, best on field. I mean, if we're going to be remotely competitive, you need someone like Dylan Brown to stand up. But uh, outside of that,
0: mm-mm. you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna play all the. Play that same card and go, uh, Jermaine Hopgood.
1: Yeah, I mean, will be a bit I, I think it's pretty fair to say that he, he'd be right up there in the candidacy. Um, yeah, it's a it's a tough tough sweating in this regard. Um, yeah, Hoppy's an obvious one. Maybe Will Panasini has a bit of a bounce back game after bombing that try last week. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pressed to name anyone, but maybe I'll, I'll double down for Hopgood as well. We're all in on Hoppy against his former club. So, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So I look. It obviously grates at us that I think for the this might be might be the first time or close to the first time this season that we find it near impossible to tip anything other than the opposition winning. of that doesn't sit well as a Parramatta podcast. It. Doesn't sit well with a, a a team that we expected to be playing finals football this year. And um, but we we do try to be balanced. We tr- do try to be honest with our opinions, even if we lean towards the glass half full. There's no there's no hiding that um, you know the Panthers will be out to. Really make a statement in this game to go towards um, locking up the minor premiership if they can, uh, which will then make it interesting to see what sort of team they name against the Cowboys, because if they end up resting players again, they could be uh, gifting the Cowboys a finals berth, which the Cowboys probably don't deserve this season. So um, yeah, it's uh, and and. Here's the other interesting thing too, mate. We seem to play the Panthers in our final game of the year far too often. And when I say our final game of the year, uh, 2021, it was the last match of the finals for us. 2022, it was the grand final. And now 2023, it's our last regular season match, which turns out to be our last match of the year. So three years in a row, we hang up the boots for the season after playing the Panthers. Yep. So, um, yeah. Anyway, um, as for this podcast, this is our last full preview podcast of the season. However, we will be covering, should they continue the Jersey flag through the season? And we will include a preview segment of a podcast, we will at least be providing one podcast a week going through for the rest of the NRL season. And, uh, if we're only previewing one grade, then, uh, we will be including the NRLW in our, uh, in a midweek podcast as part of a preview and news episode that will, will combine into, into one, mm-hmm. uh, into one podcast for the week. So um stand by for that. Uh thank you again for listening. John, you've done a superb job as always and you've you've certainly got the workload happening with your the the podcast uh work that you're having to do with uh the audacity is it that you're using with yeah, our so we got um,
1: got, a, got a few things to pump out today between TCT and the to Podcast. So it's gonna be a yeah. busy Wednesday.
0: Yeah and of course uh, thank you to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf at North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Narellan, and Parramatta. Uh, of course, as well, the the Cumberland Throw is twelve months a year, so just remember that there will be content coming your way, even with the Eels not participating in NRL finals this year. Before you know it, we're going to be talking about the Junior Rep season, the Eels preseason and uh you know thank you as well for the great support that's provided by Parramatta leagues club who uh not only do they put the money into the eels juniors and the pathways uh, they support our work in covering the eels juniors and pathways and they are our, our venue for the our instant reaction match day podcasts out at uh out at Parramatta leagues club so Um, yeah, support the club that's the home of the Eels, Um, get behind our sponsors as well who make it possible for the Cumberland Throw to provide what we do 12 months a year for fellow Parramatta supporters. And as I always say, mate, go you Mighty Eels.